This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. First story we're going to bring up is Jam. If you can bring up the first one, which is on uh, Christmas time. Uh, and in case some of you were worried that, I'll just wait. You're going to bring up, yep, there you go. And it is that Father Christmas, Santa Claus, has got his flu jab and COVID-19 vaccine to increase his protection against his busiest time of year. And of course, the NH England are telling us all, if you're eligible, book your jabs now, uh, and you can go on that. Um, Elizabeth, I'm sure you'll sleep more soundly tonight, knowing that Santa has got his jab. Actually, no, I'd be quite worried about him because he works alone, doesn't he? And, you know, what if he has one of these harmful uh, effects that they tend to um, seem to be rising in people that are having more and more jabs and boosters? No, actually, I wouldn't sleep better at night knowing that. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. Um, And he works alone. He goes down the chimneys. You know, there's nobody there. So... He doesn't need it. I'm actually really shocked that they are pushing it via Father Christmas. But obviously that's aimed at the family unit and the children. Um, and it's just another using a commercial event that, you know, to, to promote getting the vaccine. So um, I'm really surprised that they're doing it still and they're pushing it so much. Considering what's come out and what people are now more aware of and... I think a lot of people at the moment are, they know somebody that has been adversely affected by the vaccine. And it's shocking actually that they're they're pushing something that is causing so much adverse reactions. And the data, the analysis prints that we have with all of the effects, I'm really shocked that they've they've used Father Christmas and, you know, promoting it. I'm not I'm not surprised, obviously, because, you know, it's an advertisement and and they're going to use it in an ad campaign. But um, I'm shocked that they're still pushing it as much as they are. I I didn't. I I don't get the whole COVID thing because I thought supposedly everyone been jabbed or had it or um, but it's this nonstop. And I remember people telling me this isn't going to go away and I was thinking no I'm sure it will I'm sure you know they'll get it over with but uh, we are I don't know how many years later and they are still pushing getting your COVID job and of course uptakes have been so low I mean one to two percent I think on the booster uptake so um, I guess they have to use anything way they can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we so it's three years, isn't it? Because they first introduced it here December 2020, I believe. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's been going on for three years. And I, unlike yourself, I, I thought it would just fizzle out. It would go away. Um, but actually, I think that, that they want to keep it forever. I think they want to push it for as long as they can push it for and hope that people still line up and take it. Yeah, I think. And of course, the, uh, the share price of Pfizer and others have been going down. So uh, it, it could be partnership hand in hand. Um, getting that up, but we'll we'll touch on a little bit some of the 
the data coming out. And of course, today, just in, in the Football League, uh, the captain of Luton Town collapsed in the middle of the game, 29-year-old, uh, very fit, no medical issues, and collapsed and had to be carried off and the game was abandoned. And of course, you ask the question, why is this happening? So you're right. I, um, I hope Father Christmas doesn't have an adverse reaction and therefore he can actually do his job and, and deliver his presence. Absolutely. <clears throat> Let's move on to something different, which is um, which is white men and how uh, vilified they are and how they're good for nothing. And this is senior white men recruited for jobs at multinational insurance company Aviva have to be vetted first by the firm's female chief executive um so the, the, the she will get the the final sign off um on whether they should be employed as a as a part of their drive to improve diversity um she's been chief executive since 2020 um and again where, where kind of do you uh, do you start she obviously uh, I, I guess white female is okay white female middle-aged is okay but not white male. Um, and I, I guess this is, I mean, I saw Elon Musk saying, uh, what, what did he say? Die must die. Diversity, inclusion, equity yeah. must die. Yeah. I think that's what has to happen. But um, yeah, tell us your thoughts on this story. I, I, I just, I don't understand. If, if you changed the colour white, first of all, I have to say, every day that I wake up on the radio, the news, not that I watch the news, but obviously I see it shared via social media and social media every day I have to see a colour being brought into something. And I'm so fed up with it. I'm so tired of the divisiveness surrounded by white, black, whatever, you know, green, yellow, brown. It's it's everywhere. It's like a massive, it's like they literally are drilling it into our mindsets every day. Um, if you changed the colour white on that story and in that process of, you know, employment where she's vetting these guys, there would be absolute outrage. Yep. But why is it that anything can be said with regards to white people or white men, specifically in this 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 story, Um why why is it that it's okay and that 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 you're you're getting bashed all the time left right and center you are getting bashed um i just don't i don't see how it's fair and i don't see like you just said about the white women why are they not getting vetted why is it just white men so it's not only is it actually sort of segregating the men it's it's sexist as well as you know making it a, about color yeah and i couldn't imagine a boardroom in Nigeria is demanding that any black person who is employed must be checked out and they must find a, a white person. I mean, it just doesn't work. Uh, societies are predominantly more culturally inclined or more ethnically inclined one way or the other um, and to just pick this out of thin air. So I'd love to see them trying it in Africa. But how, how is it fair? Exactly, exactly. They just wouldn't. But how is it fair? I don't I don't understand how is how is it fair to target one one sector why is it white men specifically being vetted by that company yeah yeah 
is that not discrimination is i mean to myself i just find it absolutely bizarre and i just think like i said the whole thing surrounding color every day there's something about color um a story about color or you know we need we need less white people working here we need less white people on the board we need less white people doing this white people are privileged it's like where where is this suddenly come from yeah, it is, it is non-stop. And here's a, a story linked with it over stateside, uh, and it is in oh, Boston. Okay. Boston Mayor Michelle Wu proudly shares photo from her no-whites holiday party. Uh, guests include squad member Anna Prezi's drug trafficker ex-con husband. But um, this is her picture, and she is uh, downplaying the scandal that erupted over her segregated party. And call the electeds of color i don't know what i i thought it would be color because uh, we all work in uh different environments uh in our workplace where it's it's all mixed and you get that certainly in london maybe more than elsewhere so you, you get the mix it is the electeds of color white being a color any other color mix but yeah it's it is non-stop of course this is the um, the Democrat Party so far left um, that they've completely ignored their, I guess, white working class voters and roots, same as Labour over here. It's insane. And also, again, get, referring back to the previous um, story, the same with this one. If you take out, if, if that had have been no blacks, there would be absolute outrage yeah. on this story. So why is it OK for her to have said no whites? Why does it need to? Why does it even need to be a thing? Why? Why do that? That is just divisive as well. Why have a party with no whites? What's the issue? Yeah, no, exactly. And I wonder what you would expect the courts to come That's down. Not diversity, in that. is it? That's not no. diverse by saying no whites. No, if they're pushing for diversity. Then that—that's the opposite. But I guess it goes. Will the Democrats? go as far as saying, well, actually, white people are not allowed to be employed any longer. They're just not allowed to work. That seems to be the natural progression, that if one colour is better than another colour, therefore we we ban that bad colour working at all. It's It just drives segregation and confusion and mistrust more and more. 100%. But isn't that going backwards in history? Yeah. Did we not learn from segregation and learn from the, you know, no colours, no... You know, now it seems that it's reversing and it's going to be no whites. It's it's, it's not progression at all. If only we learn from our history, it seems <laughs> to be. You see the stories, you think, did we not come across this before? No, no, not last week, but like 50 years ago. I don't get why it's even a thing anymore, why it's such a focus. Colour, like, why does it have to be such a major issue? surely we've moved forward from that surely you know pushing diversity but then i don't actually i see more divisiveness on social media and via the radio the news than i do diversity actually yeah no completely i think i think diversity is used <laughs> and I, I don't think it's being used in the right way at all 
Well, let's see if an outcry actually changes the response. Um, but uh, yeah, Has there that... been much coverage of it, though? Because, I mean, well, I haven't heard about it on the radio. I only saw it via social media. And that was my point. I think I did actually share it. And I did actually say how divisive it was. And I, I did mention that if you changed the colour from no whites, there would be an absolute outrage. It would have made all of the mainstream media channels. Well, I... Um... In UK mainstream media, I think it was basically the Daily Mail picked it up, and that's kind of their type of story that fits in. Um, and then on on social media. So, but again, then I guess it is social media that drives the story more than the the mainstream, the legacy media. Mm. Um, I think we're seeing this in this because I hadn't seen the the Daily Mail story; I'd seen it online and tweets. And then you delve into it and you find a UK legacy media source has covered it. But as we're seeing time and time again, it is social media that drives a story. Mm, yeah, 100%. Well, let's, there was this, oh, this is a, um, oh, this is a video actually. Let me bring up, it was, um, let me see if it comes up. It was Ollie <laughs> London. And this was a group of uh, Muslims calling for Sharia in the UK, Sharia for mm. UK. Um, let me actually bring it up and play the short video of it. Uh, but Oli Min makes some great comments that uh, I think many of us have made for quite a while on the, the divisiveness uh, of uh, some parts of Islam, some parts, certainly Sharia law, and um, the extreme parts and how women are treated especially. Um, mm. And he says, well, LGB are stoned to death, women are publicly flogged because of adultery, women forced to cover up, gay people receive death penalty, all of that. But I'll ju we'll just play the, the 30 seconds or so of the video. If anyone has tuned in, they may be a little bit surprised. But that, and I played the whole thing because it, there are whole lots. There's one thing which stuck out to me. But let me ask you first, Elizabeth. You you think of plurality of views, um, but then you have part of society there, uh, extremist Muslim imams, I guess, pushing uh, that divisiveness and quite forcefully and aggressively, um, and it's something that we have seen, I guess time and time again especially in in london yeah i mean they're passionate i'll give them that um i actually watched that um and i did share it as well this week and i, f I found it quite scary actually in all honesty i don't know much about um the culture or um islam um 
it's always kind of been made uh, known to me that it's supposed to be the most peaceful religion. Um, but my personal opinion on that um, is I, I, I don't feel like it is. If, if you or I were to go over to any of the countries that those people originally come from and we were to stand in the street and, you know, spelt what they're spouting about our law um, and our religion, I don't think it would be um, as welcomed as and we wouldn't be as free to express ourselves as they are here. Um, the one thing that the UK is very good at is allowing them the freedom of expression and allowing them to be able to walk the streets with their microphones and shout and spout and be as extreme as they wish to be. Um, however, Sharia law, um, I, I, I don't think that that is very related to freedom of expression. You know, the fact that women can't express themselves in the way they want what they want to wear they get told what to wear they have a very restrictive life um and the same with people who enter you know gay or lesbian relationships in that law it's it's unsafe for them because it's breaching that law whereas in this country obviously we know they're free to to do that um so i i find it i i also find it frustrating that we as a country have become very tolerant and we have allowed um, a lot to happen um, regarding this culture um, and religion. And I think that it is worrying because I wonder how far um, it's going to go and, and how much or how, how much is going to happen for it to be enough for there to be some sort of not I don't want to say restrictions because obviously I, I believe in like freedom of speech and you know freedom of expression all of that but I do I do wonder how far things are going to go before we realize that we need to kind of really promote our own culture and our own laws and um, keep hold of them keep hold of them basically so <clears throat> yeah i've had the uh, well i spent 15 years looking at uh, looking at islam and i think that any ideology or belief system should be open for discussion uh, mm -hmm. and i i worry about the the inability to leave to choose or change your religion you're born into islam as opposed to any other where you make a choice even if you're born in that family you can still make a choice and and leave where i think in many in islam they're not allowed but it's it's the treatment of women i've sat in i've sat in many committees in the uk in parliament and listened to women giving uh giving testimony to honor-based violence committees and it is harrowing mm -hmm. uh when you hear the stories and within the within an Islamic culture and within those cultures in the Middle East, uh, because women have less say and less rights, uh, much less than a man, half or a quarter, um, that they, they are treated much worse. Yeah. They don't seem to have many at all. It's very restrictive. And I find it hard to try and educate myself and understand um, the religion or a religion, any religion, where 
to me, it seems very restrictive, controlling, coercive and um, dangerous, actually, if you were to express yourself freely, be it with not wearing certain things or speaking or driving or looking at another person. You know, there's so many things that um, it's unbelievably actually very to me backward it's, it's it's quite almost medieval like to, to 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 sort of the punishments and you know the things that happen like getting flogged and and all of you know it's it's it to me it's i suppose because obviously i've grown up in a different culture i've, I've it's it's alien to me and so i try to still kind of understand it from you know a different culture's point of view but even though even still I can't because for me that is very behind our times to to submit that form of punishment on somebody because of a choice that they've made you know and and any any restriction or coercive or you know danger to me that that isn't peaceful that isn't that isn't necessarily a great thing to promote at all I don't think Yep, and in the UK, there are 85 Sharia courts under the Muslim Arbitration Tribunal legislation, which allows that to happen because the government have decided it's easier for certain communities to deal with their issues than for the state to step in, which means you've got a two-tier police system, a two-tier yeah. court system. And on the video, it was, you saw the, the policeman standing watching. And you're right, if... if um, if someone is walking through the middle of that, mm -hmm. um, it's very aggressive and that could be very concerning. I'm thinking of a, a female me walking home by herself and going yeah. through that and very concerning when the police are just there watching this call for a different legal system in the yeah. UK. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think my iron, lots of these issues is the police not actually doing their job. Mm. I think the police as well feel, and this is what 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 I meant, I meant about being um, when is enough enough and being so tolerant. It's almost like you know a lot of the protests that have happened recently as well. It's almost like the police don't want to get involved because because or they they almost don't want to be seen as stopping anything or getting involved. I, I went to one of the protests um, last month and the police actually, there was a line of police officers and they had um, um, fireworks and um, I can't remember what they're called, but like those fire lighter things thrown at them. And the police, did they, they didn't react. They didn't react at all. And I was really shocked because I thought, now if I were to just walk up to them and throw a firework at them, I'm pretty sure they would run after me and arrest me. But it's like, I and and I suppose if you allow people to do that and they get that they, they, they're just, it will continue. Yeah, I think you're right. Let's go to, here's one of the, the tweets that you had put up. <laughs> And it is this uh, joyous scene uh, that we are seeing, those of us who live in London, this new, I was going to say ring of steel, ring of terror, ring of control. Um, and these are the ULES cameras, the ultra low oh. emission zone cameras. You said the winds of change are blowing strong. ULES polls tumble in the wake of rebellion. The people reclaim the power. Hashtag Blade Runners. Hashtag say no to ULES. And it goes on. But um, I, I've never been in London 20, 22 years, 21 years. And never seen such a thing when the congestion charge came in you didn't have people cutting down cameras and yet we hear 
some reports that a quarter of the cameras have been damaged or disabled or destroyed. It does seem to be a new rising of people saying enough is enough. Absolutely. Um, I think I think the last three years, um, everybody in this country has been put through um, a lot. Um, and I think that, you know, we've had the cost of living crisis off the back of that. Um, we've we, we were restricted. We were told what to do, when to go out, how many people we could have around our house. And, um, you know, people are, I think, at their wits end and and charging people more and more money. We get taxed enough as it is. It's just ridiculous. And it's just another um, they, you know, they're using the whole net zero climate change, clean air. Um, Sadiq Khan seems to think it's a good idea, but um, I'm not a huge fan of Sadiq, actually, funnily enough. Um, if, if Sadiq Khan says it's a good idea, it's not a good idea. I think you just believe the opposite. <laughs> um, and he's just absolutely, he's done more damage to London than, you know, the Blade Runners have done to, to cameras. Um, but hopefully maybe they'll they'll beat him at that soon. Um, <laughs> and so... So, yeah, I mean, they've, they've had enough and people, I think, have realised that um, it's up to them. It's up to them to do something about it, to stop it and to, to show Sadiq um, that, no, they're not going to put up with it and they're not going to um, deal with these cameras when they drive off their driveway and go to work and get charged and not be able to afford to, you know, pay for other bills or get to work. You know, they, we're already paying enough. It's ridiculous. Um, it's criminal. It's absolutely criminal um, what Sadiq has done. Um, and yeah, the people are just taking back the power. And, you know, regular people, regular people, ordinary people that have had enough are going out and they're doing their bit and they're saying no and they're stopping it. And the power is with them at the end of the day. And I think that their rebellion is actually um, quite inspiring. It I is. They're modern day heroes and I think they're taking back the power and I think that they're showing the likes of Sadiq that he can put up the cameras and they will continue to take them down and that um, they will not be paying you, Les. But I also think that you see that happening, but then people need to realise that there is a, a, a cost and there can be a big cost for voting certain ways. And if you vote in some awful individual like Sadiq Khan, mm -hmm. then it is going to have an adverse effect. So, uh, you know, we often see tribal voting here in the UK and people have to break out of that. They have to say, well, enough, I'm going to vote on issues and not just vote on how I voted for the last 30 years. And I think what's happened with you, Les, the uprising, um, that may nudge people over and say, uh, no, no, Khan uh, has had enough, we're not going to vote for him again. That's my hope anyway. Yeah, well, it's like that, um, the the saying that, um, I think I heard it via the Reclaim Party, actually, where they said, if you want change, change your vote. And you're right, if, if people are just going to keep going out and voting for the same people, there's not going to be any change. It's just going to be, in, in fact, it's going to be more of the same thing. So it's more money that they're going to try and take off of you more taxes more you know more restrictions more cameras watching you it's just you know it's it, we, we do need change in this in this country and we certainly need Sadiq out of London because um he like I I don't even know one positive thing that he's done I can't even say one positive things that, that he's done at all 
Um, and whenever I ask anybody that tells me that they quite like him, I say, which is rare, by the way. <laughs> um, I just like, oh, really, tell me what it is that he's done that is positive and that is good. And they struggle to answer. So. Yeah, I, I had the misprivilege of working in City Hall for two and a half years. And oh. uh, I, I wish I'd actually worked there probably when Boris, because Boris is a character, whatever yeah. has happened. And um, of course, he's... Uh, uh, yeah, I have many names for him after what he's done mm. uh, to us. But he was a character, and Sadiq Khan uh, was little in stature and little in uh, everything, and he would just slide in and out. So anyway, yeah, the, we need to realise here in the UK that um, we get how we vote. We get what we deserve sometimes. So change your vote, um, and maybe we will have change with that ring of control. Let's go. I this was a story on the COVID inquiry, and we've discussed the the COVID inquiry, um, and this is the cost of it. So, this is in the mail. Trebles all round for lawyers and lefties. Guy Adams investigates how the COVID inquiry is spending seven hundred and fifty thousand pounds a day, quarter of a million for those of you stateside. That's one million dollars a day on barristers and solicitors, uh, and it goes on and on. Uh, there's some crazy amounts that they've spent. Uh, they're spending eighteen million every three months. And I think Sunday Bloody Sunday Inquiry was the most expensive. And they're saying this is going to go well past that. They have 118 individuals, people working there. Um, they've just got a, a, a new position, head of public information campaigns. You can work from home and you get paid between 50 and 64,000 pounds. So if anyone is looking for a new job, maybe you can apply to that. Um, it seems to be jobs for the boys. That's simply what this seems to be. If they're doing 18 million every three months, um, it's just going into the pockets of, of lawyers. Wow. <laughs> I just... You want some of the money, I know. I know, I know. yes, I do. <laughs> I think we could all do with it. Um, I mean, it is Christmas. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, well, I, I don't, I don't even know why I am actually surprised because it, it's, it's another money making, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And I just think that it's, it's, oh, it's just mad. And who's going to be paying for that? Us taxpayers money yes so, yes i would like some of that money because it's effectively ours anyway so i'd like some of it back please that is incredible that those amounts those daily amounts are absolutely astronomically crazy and i don't know i don't even know how i just don't even know how i don't know how it could be so I, i'm blown away because you you can watch um Sky News or BBC or GB News or whoever it is, actually, we are now going to the COVID inquiry and think, why the hell would you want to go and subject? But anyway, and they go there, but never once are they talking about this is just a, a money-making scheme for, for those in the city. Never once. They actually listen to what's said as if it's important. Um, I, they just miss it completely. Uh, and I cannot believe that our broadcasters are not 
angry at that amount of public money being squandered. It could be used for so so many other things that that would benefit people's lives. You know, um, education, healthcare, like just it's it's absolutely crazy. Actually, that. Well, let's this this. And how long is it? How long is it? Is it sort of? Uh, have they estimated that it's going to go on for? Oh, they they they're well. They're talking about it'll be. They think it could be the longest running. They're talking about seven years. I think. What? <laughs> They've got a lot of people to talk to. Yeah. Maybe we should try and get jobs. <laughs> That's what that's what I had initially read because I mean they're so they're hiring more and more people, 118, and it hasn't finished. So it's just going to grow into this blob of just sucking in it's money just, and talking to random box, people. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know if you get paid to turn up. I mean, I'll turn up and say something if you get paid. Uh, you should get paid I mean, to speak. I've got a lot to say about the COVID inquiry. I'm not sure they would welcome me, but they can certainly pay me £750,000 a day if they wish to. So, yes. Yeah, you could give your legal opinion, definitely. I could give mine yeah. um, and see what it's worth. But, <laughs> but this is something they are not covering. And it is the... I don't know where our slide are in a few seconds to kick in, but hundreds more middle-aged adults dying a month since COVID pandemic. I saw this, uh, I think in the mail I originally saw it, um, and they say COVID inquiry should focus on persistently high death toll, says a public health England uh, director. Um, the actually, thing that hit me was new analysis says an extra 28,000 deaths in the UK the first six months. Um, so you extrapolate that out as 56,000. They're saying hundreds more. Actually, it's it's many thousands. Because if you take 28,000 over six months, then that's what, 5,000, 6,000 is it a month? So even the headline, they're still, they're still afraid to actually call this out for what it is, which is thousands. But it, this is, look, we're seeing well, I think excess deaths all over. It's conflicting for the media to um, say that, though, because they pushed everything during the pandemic so much. They pushed the lockdowns. You know, the, the media were complicit in, in, in pushing that um, and in pushing the restrictions, um, the masks, you know, the vaccines. They pushed and promoted it all. So I think that they are a little bit withholding with the actual data and information. Um, but it is out there now. You know, we can access it as we could during the pandemic which, I mean, I was, I was going, you know, um, on the Office of National Statistics, um, I was checking the analysis prints of the vaccines uh, for Pfizer, Moderna and AstraZeneca. Um, and you could see the adverse reactions, you know, every week it was updated and the numbers were going up in the hundreds weekly. Um, so, and the excess deaths, you know, like, like you just commented about the uh, footballer yeah. you know in in during if you remember the actual sports um that went on during the pandemic um and and just after lockdown we saw what well, i i certainly did for the first time i think in all the time that i've watched sports in my life i couldn't i i i, I couldn't believe the amount of people that were collapsing um, after the vaccines had been administered, you know, to people. And I just, I, and, and of course, a lot of people had to have them for, to be able to play the sport in the first place or to be able to travel to, to play wherever the sport was located. Um, 
so yeah I, th I think that the excess deaths i think it's we're not going to get the truth on the actual figures for a very long time and as much th this covid inquiry is going on for what like seven years i think that it's going to be a matter of the the real like actual realization of this won't probably be for another few years actually yeah um by then the issue is it's too late whenever it all is these... too late and also yeah. it's going to amount up even more because the more people that are lining up and getting the boosters um even though the percentage is dropping people are still getting it so there will be people still affected so yeah yeah, yeah. um it is sad when it is i told you so and it you never want to actually uh, yeah. be in that situation never but that's seemingly where we're heading um and it's horrible because nobody wants to be right on this nobody yeah. wants to be right on this nobody wanted to believe that the the government and you know the, these vaccines like nobody wanted to believe negative on it at all but unfortunately the data and the reality is very we yeah. Well, let's obviously the one person in Parliament speaking is Andrew Bridgen, uh, Reclaim yeah. MP. Yes. And he, uh, I will obviously, uh, as I mentioned, heard him on on, on Tuesday night mm -hmm. talking not only about this, but on, on the immigration issue. And he said, I'll be presenting my backbench business application to the committee on Tuesday afternoon at 4.15. Thank you to all of the MPs who supported my application for a three-hour debate in the House of Commons on this very important issue. As I've said before, this is not about the politics of left and right. Uh, this is about the politics of right and wrong. And let me just expand on that. There is the, the sheet uh, of those who have signed it. Um, and it's wonderful to see cross-party. Uh, yep. There are a number of, of DUP, Democratic News Party, so it's nicely there for Northern Ireland. Uh, you've got ALBA up in Scotland, Independent, Conservative. Of course, you have Labour, Lib Dem still refusing to even have the conversation. But, I mean, tell, tell us about your thoughts. Andrew, of course, had a short, I think, 20-minute or 25-minute uh, discussion on this. He presented and he was told excess deaths were because of, I think, because of cholesterol and smoking. I yeah. think that was so... I, I remember seeing that and... Um, fish and he, chips, a breakout I mean, of fish and chips. We have, we have to commend him for the work that he's done with regards to the vaccines um, because, obviously, he is very rare. Um, there's not many that are actually speaking up and standing up um, and, and bringing it to the attention. So the awareness that he has um, brought around that is 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 great. And I hope that he continues to do that. Um, I believe he also had, um, which I couldn't attend, um, but he had a, a, like an event at Parliament a couple of weeks ago with uh, various doctors as well, um, professionals. You, oh, you missed, you missed a good day. I this know. It I was, was so well, good. I was, I was supposed to come to that and <laughs> I was supposed to come to your event the other night, but oh, this time of year, it's just crazy. So I, I apologise and I will I will get there. Um, so, and, and you know, he's he's got a lot of people together and, um, you know, I, I think it's brilliant that he's doing that. And actually, I think at that event, he did actually manage to draw in um, quite a few um, MPs, so which is good because it's the acknowledgement, at least, you know, that we need to start with. Um, but yes, I did see that when he um, brought it to Parliament and I, I found it quite interesting how a lot of what he had said 
kind of got pretty much dismissed and um you know we were kind of said that we were told that it's because of lockdowns which cause is causing a lot of you know because of the there were you know li uh, lists of people yeah. that weren't getting seen for healthcare and operations and things various illnesses so um it kind of just he, i felt like he was just fobbed off you know he brought it there he was making awareness and he had so much support as well in the gallery you know the the amount of people that had because a lot of people that actually attended that um had been vaccine injured yeah or had family members that had you know either lost their lives or you know you know had had their lives changed because and long-term illnesses and things like that because of the vaccine um and so he had a lot of support there and i'm really shocked actually that it, it it was just oh well actually it was this it's not that you're wrong about that and they kind of tried to manipulate how um what he was saying about the the data and making the awareness of the harms and the adverse reactions they kind of were almost trying to quash it which they're going to do they're going to do they are i, I can understand why you don't want to debate because to me if you're a, an MP and someone else comes with a, a stupid argument or discussion, then you're ready and willing to challenge that and show their their foolishness, their stupidity. And yet, Labour, Lib Dems, there isn't even a let's have this conversation and dismiss it once and for all. No. So obviously there is a lot of fear. There's a lot of concern they are thinking, actually, I've had these things happen in my family um, and they don't even want to talk about it. But that lack of a desire to even have a conversation about an issue, to me, that's actually the most worrying. It is the most worrying. And it's I think it's past ignorance. It's 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 almost I think they they don't want to have the debate because it's almost if they acknowledge. If they acknowledge the actual content of the debate they're almost allowing it to be real in their in their world and i think that they probably do have fear because the fact that they won't debate it that there's a reason why they won't debate it and it's probably because they are scared because the data is there you know andrew's clearly got a lot of um you know research and professional people the event that he had at parliament a couple of weeks ago there were a lot of doctors you know robert Robert Malone was there um, and there were a lot of professional people that were giving their expert opinion on everything around this, you know, um, and and they they are doing what their best to make and highlight for people to be aware of, of this. And I think that the likes of um, Labour and um, the others, they, they don't want to acknowledge it because if they acknowledge it, then it's real. It's happening. And they then have to probably do something about it. Yeah, God forbid that. <laughs> I, I, actually, one of the, I was, because there were six, I think there were 16 MPs there. The figures vary. I certainly saw five or six DUP. Um, there were quite a number of, of Conservatives, and um, including David Davis, who came and, and sat through nearly the, the whole thing, as did Christopher Chope. Uh, there, there were many. But actually, what uh, I realised, the importance of Andrew putting that on, was you obviously did have Robert Malone there. You'd um dr pierre corey uh you had um you had steve kirsch there you had, i mean there's so many mm -hmm. uh dr david martins but it was actually david davis said um the what was the name again of the person who spoke there and they said oh that's steve kirsch yes steve will you you said this and could you and i realized we all kind of live in 
different bubbles. Mm -hmm. And um, kind of how do you not know these people? And yet I realize they're high-profile conservative politicians who would like to maybe challenge some of the narrative, um, but aren't educated enough. So I think that event was key just for those MPs to hear from these individuals um, and to realize, and they now understand, they're kind of now in that bubble. Um, and I hope they'll do something. But without Andrew putting on that event, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's so good, like, what he's doing with with raising awareness. But also, I think it's so important that, like you said about them sort of not being educated on it, that's why we need the debate. That's why we need, you know, it should be open and free to express and to bring the data and bring the evidence forward so it can be discussed and, you know, they can look into it, investigate it further, do whatever they need to do. But... It's so important. So I'm really glad that um, those 16, 17 MPs did did go because if they weren't aware before, at least they are now, and maybe something they can, you know, get together and and, and move forward and do something positive with it. Well, let's uh, like three stories. We'll flick through. This is uh, our favourite villain, and that is Gary oh. Lineker. <laughs> um, actually, I thought I'd do. Yeah, we'll throw what this a great in. Guy. We'll do. <laughs> So this is Evening Standard. Gary Lineker defends signing open letter criticising Rwanda policy after it sparks fresh BBC impartiality Roy, The match of the day hosts have been told to put a sock in it after that. That's shut up. Sorry, if that's not it, that might be a colloquial term. After signing a letter criticising the government's Rwanda policy. Um, I don't understand how he, I mean, if he was sacked, then uh, the BBC would be saving a lot of money. But you kind of stick to your job and his job is not a some kind of news reporter, but it's a football pundit. And I simply can't understand how he's allowed to stray well outside that and still receive his fat paycheck. So, sorry, um, um, he's a football pundit, so he's not in politics and immigration. Nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Because all I ever hear with this guy is immigration, um, Rwanda, like it's, it's never really anything to do with sport or football. Um, yeah, I think he should stick to what he knows and stick to what he has, which is his profession. Um, he likes to, I think, I don't know if he does it because he genuinely does hold those strong views or if he does it because he's just doing it to create a little bit of outrage get a bit of attention um, make himself to be you know sort of popular not popular but you know trending um i really don't know but i think he needs to just walk into the bbc television center sit in his seat drink his cup of tea and get on with the football and and do what he is known for and keep out of anything to do with politics and immigration. Well, Elizabeth, we can watch Match the Day tonight. We can see if he takes your advice, because I so <laughs> hope he does and just <laughs> puts a sock in it and shuts it. Um, oh, I wonder whether he'll talk in Luton or uh, the match there with the captain collapsing. And maybe he'll discuss that. I'm sure he'll find maybe. some explanation. Global warming probably affected because global warming is really big in Luton. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what it goes up with? Well, let's um this uh, weird story. We'll put this up and then I'll play the video and see if anyone can make sense of it. Uh, I don't think I'll actually misgender anyone because actually I don't know this individual, but this is BBC News Middles. Without a shadow of a doubt, it's a transphobic comment. Um, and this is the Green Party's candidate condemns Tory 
deputy chairman for social media remarks about her transgender identity. Mm -hmm. Let me just play the little video clip, which I think about 15 seconds of weirdness. So here it is. Without a shadow of a doubt, it is a trans transphobic comment. It's dog whistling um, at the finest, you know. It's whisper, it's gaslighting, it's everything. By attacking a minority um, minority group, it's just, yeah, you know, it's just, it's a shame. Um, actually, let, let me just play it again, because I think it was so beautiful. <laughs> let me just play it again. <laughs> This is torture. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. No, 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 it, it's not. It's actually, my computer is refusing to play it again. Well, your computer <laughs> says no, and I think your computer has the right mindset. <laughs> that does look, I mean, you would assume, because it does seem to look like a bloke, um, has a, a fairly gruff voice. Now, I it guess you bloke. could have women who look like blokes, I mean, blokes who look like women. Um but it, it does seem like a piss take. It really does. Um, and yeah, the first, and obviously the BBC jump into this. Um, you kind of scratch your head and you kind of wonder where are we going and what are our kids learning in school? If I scratched my head, I'd have no hair left, Peter. Because when I first saw that, I actually did think it was some sort of joke. I did not think for a second that it was serious. Um, and then obviously, as I scrolled through and, you know, people in the comments helped answer my queries, uh, realised it was serious and it's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm I'm I am a woman. I am 100 percent a woman and I'm getting really tired of uh, being a woman and how people like that guy seem to just think if I put on a wig and speak in camera i'm that makes me a woman it doesn't make you a woman i'm sorry but it doesn't and uh i think that like let's just let women be women and men be men and uh, you know people people are free to obviously express themselves and what they do behind closed doors is entirely up to them as long as they're not causing harm to others but trying to push into the woman's arena in every aspect and I mean you know sports toilets bathrooms fitting rooms everything I'm just so exhausted with it I'm just bored of it actually bored of it because it is ridiculous and pushing it and um, being told that we have to accept it and being told that this is how it is I, I look back to years ago like I don't know 10 15 years ago if that was to happen and that was on the news I think that it would be ridiculed it yeah. really would have it would not have been so accepted and oh okay yeah that that's that that's fine we'll take that seriously we'll take that video clip which looks completely unprofessional um you know completely unprofessional and um, we'll, we'll take that as yeah that that's a woman it's bonkers it's, it's not a woman at all it, it, it really is. It really is crazy. Um, you, you've got company. I have I've got my dog. Sorry. Just at the end. No, it's fine. Uh, I want to bring up this last one. You posted this pic of uh, a Julian Assange quote, a quote, which I thought is uh, is really worthwhile oh, yeah. putting I up. I agree with this. And what has been your biggest disappointment 
as learning that even intelligent people can be cowards and that courage is a much rarer attribute than intelligence. And I read that and thought, we, we have IQ, intelligence coda. Maybe we need a CQ, which would be a courage coda, because that's what we really have needed in the last three years. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I think that even even going back to what you, we were just talking about with regards to the event that Bridgen put on um, and how you said that some of those MPs just didn't have the education or weren't aware of it. It just shows you that a lot of people in power or a lot of really intelligent people, just because they're intelligent, it doesn't mean that they are doing the right thing or that they are willing to do the right thing for the people. So, um, yeah, it, it doesn't necessarily make you great if you're intelligent if you don't use that intelligence yep. for the thing so yeah no, yeah I think it was very powerful and I think that um obviously we're all aware what Julian Assange has been through for speaking up and saying what he has said and doing what he has done um so yeah I I I, I saw that and I um I could relate to that because it is disappointing when you when you look at people and you think surely you should know because you have you have the you know the education or the intelligence or or you're in a position where you can make a difference and do something and yet they don't it is deeply disappointing I think during the pandemic um I, I realized that massively so I really did yeah, yeah. And, and of course, with Andrew Bridgen commenting that their MPs have come to him privately and say, you know, this has happened to my family, uh, vaccine injuries. Um, and he says, well, you'll come and speak, won't you? Oh, no, I couldn't possibly. That um, is so disappointing. I mean, that is, it's, 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 I think it's past disappointment, actually. That, that's, that's really sad that's, and bad, actually that they know and they are aware and it's, it's actually happens to people that they're related to and yet they don't speak up against it and about it. It's just, I mean, because if they did, that could actually help somebody and, and stop that from happening to somebody else. And surely you wouldn't want that to happen to somebody else if you've experienced that with your own family. Yeah, it, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I think on that, we will draw it to an end. Elizabeth, thanks so much for joining us today. <laughs> <Not for> me. <laughs> Any time, any, oh, I will come you. back to you. Don't you worry, I will. Oh, thank you. It's been um, fun. I just wanted to just share one last thing just with the viewers that we have. Let me see if I can, which is this one, um, which is just to let you know our podcast with Dwight. Um, we are up to, I think it's number six. Yeah, it is number six we're up to. Uh, and this has been the surrealist experience of my life over the last two years. There it is. Uh, it's all right to be Dwight, obviously Dwight Schultz, Howling Mad Murdoch in the 18. My first childhood hero. I must have been maybe six or something, seven when it was on. And he now does a podcast for us uh, generally every other week. Um, so we're up to number six. He's a voice coach. Uh, what well, he does voiceovers for video games and cartoons, and his voice is something to behold. So that's on Podbean or any of the podcasting apps. Make sure and get a hold of it, listen to it. It's something completely different, zany, off the wall. Um, and uh, Dwight can do any voice you like. So great fun uh, to listen to that on the go. Um, but yeah, th Elizabeth, thank you. Obviously, Bill can catch you on on Twitter and um, I hope you come back and join us sometime in the new yes, year. Yes, I will. Are you all ready for Christmas? 
Uh, well, I'll be. <laughs> this is it. We've done lots of pre records. So uh, for the last two weeks, there have been lots of pre records getting done. So I think tomorrow I'm going to sit back and I can then relax and I can think of Christmas. So tomorrow I will think about Christmas. Good, good. Well, you have a lovely Christmas and a great New Year. And I will see you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Elizabeth. Take and care. thank you to our viewers. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.